This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Zoe, the world's first personal voice companion, enabling Star Trek combadge-like interactions with Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, smart objects, and much, much more. To find out more about Zoe, visit zoe.me slash trekfm. That's x-o-w-i dot m-e slash trekfm. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Toba Ushi. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D Bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gelfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my happily married co-host, Darren Moser, who is waiting for his wife to get ready before going to a concert in Ten Forward. Are you almost ready to go there, Darren? Oh, I'm almost ready. I'm very excited. I hear that Data is going to combine 2,000 different artists and styles. And some people say it sounds like static. I think it's music to my ears. So uh, we're just ready to slip into our 1980s-esque formal attire and uh, make our way down. All right. Just be sure you tell Mrs. Dr. Sci-Fi what those uh, leggings are for, because sometimes... uh... The 24th century women don't always remember. All right, so I'm also joined by my other co-host, Daniel Prue, who is down on the holodeck preparing for a big date. So how are things looking so far, Daniel? Oh, fantastic. Um, I, I obviously uh, have recreated Risa, the most romantic place anybody can think of, and I've brought a backpack full of horgons with me. So I, I think I'm going to get lucky tonight for sure. Okay, so you're not taking any uh, dating holodeck advice from Jordy. Oh, no. Or Barkley or uh, anybody, really, that is usually dating. Wesley, no, he, uh, Wesley. he tried to uh, make a move. Oh, he did, didn't he? Wasn't that his first kiss on the holodeck? That's right, yeah. That's right. So if you're going for the uh, younger ladies, that might be something to remember. But anyway, today on Earl Grey, uh, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. You know, one of the reasons that we love The Next Generation is because of the characters and that the relationships that the characters have. So for this episode... We're going to examine the romantic relationships of TNG, the ones we enjoyed and the ones we found curious. Um, So uh, to begin with, we'll talk about the romance that was revealed in the pilot episode Encounter at Farpoint until its conjugation in Star Trek Nemesis. That's right, William T. Riker and Deanna Troy. Now, uh, Darren and Daniel know that, that I have a somewhat uh, unique uh, uh, point of view on these two characters and their relationships. I, I find them both very strange in how they interact with each other, um, even though I think I appreciate their characters, but they just have a, a very, to me, very interesting and odd relationship that apparently works for them. Um, and so I'm just going to s- set up a couple opening comments and then throw it over to it through Darren and Daniel here. But I think the interesting thing about Troy and Riker is that they spend seven to eight years throwing their their respective romances in each other's faces the whole time. And when they are together, they're like sniping at each other. Um, like, for instance, the episode The Loss, um, when Troy loses her empathic powers, you have Riker going, you know, I think you enjoyed being in control. That's what gives you the power, doesn't it? And now, I mean, like, this is the, you know, you're talking to your, 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 the woman that you apparently love so much like this. And then there was the, the episode, um, to, uh, thine own self when Deanna was taking, taking that bridge, you know, uh, officer promotion course. And, you know, Riker's like, well, you know what? Some people don't have it. I guess you're one of those people that don't have it. And like, he just like berates her, which I know it's the whole, you know, he's the first officer and she's the counselor, but I mean, it, they're just so sniping at each other the whole time, and and yet they go through this whole relationship. So before I, I just start freaking out, uh, Darren, what are, what are your thoughts about uh, this Mzadi couple? Oh, it it is a very interesting relationship. Also in the fact that it's kind of the only relationship that's presented from the beginning. I mean, yes, very quickly we start to introduce others, but really 
it's the TNG relationship. I mean, if this was a soap, this would be the long thread of, like you've said, the will they, won't they. Uh, uh, I mean, no matter what other relationships surface, this is the one we're all tuning in to find out what happens. And then they start to throw like Worf into the mix because apparently some writer, you know, was maybe looking at some trading cards and they happened to be stacked together. And I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But the Troys, they're, they're a great couple in the regard that by the end when they've kind of figured out that they're both broken people and they really are the only are the only two that can that can put up with each other. Uh, they have a great wedding, and they let, they let you know that wonderful TNG people build a wonderful wedding set. So for that, we thank them. But yeah, it's it's a pretty complicated conjugation. Let's just put it that way. All right. Well, Dan, what are your thoughts before we start slicing and dicing into this whole relationship? Uh, well, I am going to defend it. Um, I actually really enjoy the Triker Triker. <laughs> Troy, that's right. That's a that's a thing now. The Triker relationship, the Troy Riker Hashtag. relationship. I, I've never really done so. You know, there are things when you watch Star Trek, um, and you're big super fans like us. You go into Memory Alpha and read the behind the scenes books, and 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 one thing that I've I've never come across any sort of information is is how and why they developed this relationship. I've never really been super that interested in, in it to try to learn about it, but I would imagine that if I were to look into it, I think their relationship is supposed to be the progressive 24th century relationship. I think maybe that's what they set it up for. Like, you, okay, you set up that there's this romantic tension between these two characters in the beginning, and then and then show that they can both love each other and still not be monogamous for their whole series and then and then and then kind of at the end maybe fulfill that and i think that i think it's done very effectively i think it's done very well i actually think it's a super mature relationship i don't i don't think they're ever throwing each other's conquests you know Riker has them all the time in each other's faces a lot of times they go to each other for advice when they're when they're you know with other romantic partners i think and I think that it's a very strong the, the, foundation. The only two quotes I would have is one, and I can't remember if it's Captain's Holiday or which episode where Riker's like, man, because I, I, I think he's talking about Ryza. Y'all will probably help me remember. He's like talking about it to, like there's a group setting, and he's like, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll experience a lot of things. You know, I've had a lot of great fun there, and Troy's like, yes, we've heard about those stories. Sometimes too many of them. <laughs> Um, and then the second one, I was just watching The Vengeance Factor the other day. This is the one, I don't know if, if everyone will actually remember it, because it's not like a, one of the better episodes. This is the one where they um, encounter the um, the warring factions, um, and it turns out that the assistant to the leader is like 100 years old and is there to like kill the other guy. Anyway, which I'm really not explaining it well. But anyway, so Riker, Yuta, I believe, is, is the young lady's name who's 100 years old. Um, and Riker have a little thing going on, and so Riker's macking on her pretty hard, um, I believe is the technical term. And so he gets um, asked her to cook him dinner, but he ends up ha- having her cook it for him and Deanna in Ten Forward. And then so he, and yes, yes, in fr- yes, wow. in front of Deanna. So like, here, have my ex and I cook me some dinner. This will be our date. And then when they finish, Riker just kind of looks at Deanna and like gives him gives her like the eyes look, and she's like, "Well, I guess I better hit the old dusty trail." And then no, that's, that that's is the, weird. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it is weird to us, but I think it's supposed to be progress. I think it's supposed to be like. A- like like a, a relationship without real jealousy. It's supposed to be like, wow, I can be in love with this person and they can still be my wingman. <laughs> like, are you saying like Jana's like really Will's pimp or something? Or so well, sometimes you could. I mean, and both of them have those she, situations. She, are you saying Jana's? So you know what? I'm not kissing you with a beard. So I'm gonna find someone else who will. Well, we all know. <laughs> We all know that that line is absolute BS. It's total nonsense because she kissed him a thousand times. Anyways, I don't need to harp on this point. I actually like the relationship. I think it works really well. I think if you if you put it into today's terms, it doesn't make any sense. It it does kind of look a little weird. It is definitely odd. I admit it's very strange, but I think it works. I think it's it's. I think that's kind of how uh, things might be in the future between men and women. It'll be much more. Uh, 
much more less defined, much more shades of gray. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Ah, well, I mean, look at the moment when Riker is giving you know advice to Wesley, and he's like, "How do you talk to women?" And he's like, looks around the room. Well, this is the first woman I can see. Oh, is Guinan, and now I'm gonna put the moves on her so much so that she's gonna tell <laughs> Wesley to shut up. Like, wow, wow. I think it was like maybe we, you know, what character could would it possibly be the coolest to have say shut up Wesley Guinan? Oh, you could never get Guinan to say shut up Wesley. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the one thing that I thought was tell interesting... me more about my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I thought was interesting because I, I feel like I watched it in this order because I mean I know I watched the original series movies first, but you know they didn't necessarily stick with me, and so watching the next generation, and then I watched the motion picture again. So what is the motion picture set up? Oh, look, it's the first officer of the Enterprise meeting the girl who he was in love with, Ilea. I'm like, why does this seem so familiar? <laughs> hmm. It'll come to me. Could you say goodbye? No, I could never say goodbye. <laughs> I'm like, they just carbon copied the motion picture romance. Hey, if we don't oh, give her goodness. hair, if we give this one hair, no we'll one will We'll make her notice. differently exotic. Well, a lot of, you know, b- b- the motion picture and The Next Generation were both cut from the same cloth, right? They were both supposed to be phase two projects, essentially. And they were both scrapped and, and kind of remade. So it makes sense that we get that kind of... Like, uh, you know, like similarity between the you two. Know, one thing that makes me also question this relationship, again, you know, Rikers is fine, I guess. Um, and Deanna is fine, too. But, like, Troy throughout the series has horrible taste in men. And I'm like, she's like the jerk in the price, you know, the guy who was helping, you know, get the money or make the deal for the wormhole. Um, and and just, these guys are just jerks. Jerks, jerk, and you know, and like, what does this say about Will? That these are the men that she's attracted to? Because Will doesn't seem like a total jerk, but I'm like, maybe I need to reassess, you know, the type of men that she's re- that she's attracted to. It's it's because well, it's because she's got Riker, so she's she's uh, you know, nobody will ever live up to his his standards. I mean, he he is he's the Riker man, so she just kind of yeah, it's like a it's like a his level of beardness. That's she true. fell that's for true. him before he had his season two beard. I mean, that's if if there's not if there's you know what it is it's because love, of her. I don't know what somewhat is somewhat inconsistent empathy, uh, empathy, empathetic powers. I guess you would say empathic, um, empathic. Thank you, empathic powers. She could. Uh, she was able to see bearded Riker before anybody else was. That's what it is. Well, like, did you all you know throughout the series and and the, we'll, we'll stick with the TV before moving on to the movie. Um, but through the TV series, I mean, do y'all actually think that they would get together? Because I mean, it's sort of this subsumed, um, you know, romance. Like, was there ever an expectation that you thought like, oh, they're going to get together? Like maybe the one that relationship we're going to talk about next. Um, or did you just think it was like, oh, they just were exes that just have this weird relationship, but that's pretty much all it is. I'd say the high point of that would be like Menage Troy, you know, where, I mean, hey, you see them actually interaction not in uniform for once. I mean, that's something. Oh, she definitely was not in uniform in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the other end of the, you know, the spectrum, you have... Uh, you know, you have once they start to introduce the wharf relationship and it's like, wait, 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 like why, why even put that in there? And, and it pushed Riker so far out of the picture, you know, where he's even asking Riker, are you okay with this? And he's like, uh, what am I going to say? Like, I, I forgot to, uh, you know, it's like, I forgot to lock my car and you just kind of swooped in there. And, uh, but it, Man, it was if like you said, it, it's a will they, won't they, the whole ride. Because I think there's some interesting spots where Will does come off kind of, I guess jealous. I was thinking of a harsher word, but I'll just stick with jealous. Like, okay, dude, y'all, you're the one who left. You have no rights to her. But like in Haven, is that the name of it? Where where Troy's you know husband or fiance shows up. And Troy's and Will's like, what? What's going? You can't be getting married. I'm like, hey, Completely buddy, you had your chance. Out. You had your chance. And then in the child, um, the the opener for season two, when um, like you know, Troy's pregnant, and he's like, well, who's the father? And then he's 
And then he's and then he's a creepster when she's giving birth. He's like in the in the back of sick bay, like breathing heavy. <laughs> I'm like, dude, can you give her some space? What the? Okay, I I, I can't defend Haven. <laughs> Just like at all. He he is he does seem fi- well. I think in this in this. I think no, actually, I think I can. I can defend both of those instances. I can defend Haven uh, and the child, and I think they're both out of protectiveness. So I think I think because Riker, because obviously these two are best friends, no matter what. Like even if you think the relationship's strange or whatever, they're they're clearly two people that care very much about each other. And in the Haven, he knows that this is going to make her unhappy. He knows this isn't what she wants, but she's willing to give up everything. To, to be with this guy that she doesn't even know. And, and that's kind of a barbaric way of looking at things for them. So I, I, I can forgive it. I mean, he, he comes off strong in that episode, but I think his motivation is pure. And then in, in um, the other one, the child, um, yeah, I mean, well, that's natural. I mean, if you, if you loved someone, clearly, maybe you, didn't, you weren't in a relationship, but you loved them, and all of a sudden they were pregnant, you might get a little defensive. But he was the one that was there, like you said. He, I mean, you you said it was creepy, but I actually think it was kind of endearing that he was there. He was there for the, the you know, he he made his presence known. He was going to be there for her. And I, I'm not a. I mean, Darren, you 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 know, you you're married and have a child. I just think, and I don't know what the protocol is. You know, when you're if you're in the hospital room, do you usually ask a woman giving labor if you can be in there, or do you just kind of sneak up? What's kind of the protocol there? Um, I think they prefer you to be the father of a child, <laughs> uh, or at least a direct family member. I could see, I could even see Uncle Odo showing up more than uh, than. Then Riker, you know, obviously her mother uh, would have, you know, I'm I'm surprised she didn't make an appearance in that episode. Took me took me a while to get what you're talking about. Okay, I, I know there's a lot of lag. I was gonna say a little bit of lag there, but that's okay. But no, I was gonna say one moment that we didn't mention that that is played for laughs out of Riker's um, jealousy that pops out into my mind is from the nth degree when she's talking to everybody about Bar- Barkley and how he's so suave now. And well, he tried to make a pass at me and then, uh, and then, so they all walk out of the, the ready room. <laughs> and then it's like his face. <laughs> yeah, his face. It's so funny. I always, I always remember that moment. I think it's hilarious. But now one, like that's how they're measuring Barkley's intelligence is how fast he's made a pass at Troy. She's like, well, it's the galactic standard. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently she likes the guys that just barge into her quarters and start, Taking her hair, and I don't know anyone. Um, but uh, well, one episode that, and, and I haven't seen it recently, so I'm gonna have to rely on y'all. Okay, we're gonna need a photon torpedo here. The one with Thomas Stryker. Oh, I don't remember the name. Second of it. chances. Second chances. There you go. Pa-ching. Pa-choo. So, like, what? I mean, because that was sort of an episode that kind of encapsulates the Riker Troy relationship. Because you know, you have for those who can't, who don't remember, this is the one where there's a transporter accident, apparently several years ago, and they discovered that there was a copy made of William Riker, and so we call him Thomas Riker because we need to figure out who's who. He's the one wearing yellow, um, and so Thomas Riker is like, "Oh no, I'm still in love with Gianna. I never would leave her," and and so there's sort of that rekindling. Of this Riker Troy relationship, except it's with T Riker, not W Riker, um, and so I don't know if, y- if y'all remember that better than I do. What 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 kind of was yeah, that like? It's an interesting outlook because the the question it kind of poses and the and the the direction it takes is, you know, if you were to meet your younger self or your younger the, a younger version of your your soulmate, like would would it still work? And that's ultimately, I think, why. It, the relationship breaks down because he's still the same person. He's still going to make the same choices. And I mean, if I were to meet, you know, my wife, you know, maybe 10 years of, uh, of as if she was 10 years ago, you know, we were very different people. And, and it's like, I think part of that chemistry you get when you start to meet someone is where you both are in your journey. And Star Trek, you know, because it's Star Trek and we can do awesome things like copy and paste uh, our, our, our number one. Would that make him number two? One and a half. I'm just <laughs> one and a half. 1.5. Uh, but because we can do that, we can explore that, obviously, aspect that would not happen in, in real life. But in that aspect, it really goes to show, I think it it's reinforcing Riker's character even more than Thomas because it's saying... Look, he he made these choices, but they were good choices. You know, they were difficult choices to make. And ultimately, Riker, in quotes, whether Thomas or Will, you know, puts his career before his relationship with Diana. Ultimately, 
circumstances may be a little different around that, but that's the choice he makes. And then one goes off the deep end and joins the Marquis, but, you know. <laughs> well, he had an identity crisis. So. Well, we can clearly, cl- I mean, there's no argument from anybody on this point that um, Will Riker is better than Thomas Riker, because if we remember. Oh, by far. Well, but I have an actual, I have, I have scientific proof for this. Oh, okay. This Sorry. Important. My opinion apparently is No, no, no. I, I, I was setting up for a joke. That's what it was. But uh, my point was that uh, Thomas falls for, well, falls for, spends an evening with Kira while William spends an evening with the much superior Roe. So we know from that fact that William Riker is by far the best Riker, and it doesn't matter what you say, that's the end of the argument. That is the definitive statement. I am 100% behind So, that. So Daniel not only has um, a, a, a standard factor for measuring nacelles, he also has one for measuring Bajorans. Measuring the beard. For the for Bajorans. And so it, I don't know if it's the number of nose ridges or what it is, but maybe he'll he'll let us know what it is one day. Well, you know, one thing, Daniel, that you, that you have said throughout this thing about Riker Troy, you know, to me, they, they didn't act as much as like, you know, ex-lovers or whatever. Just They acted more like a congenial divorced couple. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're still kissing all the time, but they're not together. It's like, you know, it's almost like, eh, we were young, we got married, but, we, you know, it didn't work out, we divorced. But, hey, we're still friends. Because, I mean, it wasn't more like, I mean, I don't, I don't, they never really said how long their relationship was on Beta Z. Um, but enough for them to be Imzadi, I guess. But that, that was you know, however long that takes. We don't so. want to define it, so let's make up a Beta Zoid word to define it, but never quantify it. Can we also just mention real quick um, how useful the fact that she could communicate telepathically with Will Riker would have been for the rest of the series, but they never use it they again. They never use it again, so. did they? <laughs> Distress signal. I've been kidnapped by Romulans. Will, Please can you get this? Me. This is what's going on. This, yeah. Little Professor X moment, you know, put her hand to her head and it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Captain Picard's like, wait, I hear Troy for some reason. What's going on? <laughs> it's like, I know. I always hear her too. It's like, she never stops talking. Always in the... Oh, 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 you mean... Oh, she's in trouble. Okay. <laughs> They have a cardboard cutout of her they put in that chair, you know, whenever she's not around. All right, well, let's tie up the bow here. So in Generations and and in First Contact, we really don't get, you know, any Troy Riker stuff. But at Insurrection... They're too busy kicking butt, you know. Yeah, yeah. And taking well, names. Or crying or crashing the ship. Yeah, um, but but in Insurrection, it's and it's interesting you all said that it was all before the beard, because all it takes is for Will to shave off the beard again, and suddenly, bam, Riker Troy is 100 miles an hour again. Um the beard is his relationship kryptonite yeah so i you know it's interesting that you know insurrection where they're they are going you know what you were saying darren go 10 years ago you know insurrection that's what they do that the the magical young rays whatever you call it um you know made them go back in time and you know will feeling frisky again and and you know hey you know Counselor Troy, do you think two people can go back in time and, you know, fix a mistake? Oh, well, She's like, you know how many times we've gone back in time? Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, time's arrow. Uh, this happens like every other week. This is not special. I need a new pickup line, Will Riker. Well, she was young enough to believe it's only in the ship Enterprise. It, that wasn't even the first time they went back in time on the E. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like a know, month you... ago, we went back to Earth, you know, 2063. Don't you remember that? <laughs> but apparently that's all it takes to get them in the bath together and shaving off and all that stuff. And, 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 and that gives us the great line, smooth as an android's bottom, A data? No, 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 no. <laughs> He's no. like, no, no. Which we're, we we should be punished for not bringing that yes. up on our data oh. episodes. So. We'll have to reboot that. So, but um, but I think in some ways it is a logical progression from insurrection into Nemesis because you have the rekindling and insurrection, and then Nemesis leads into they're getting married, which I think is funny. And 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 I know we'll do a Riker episode, I'm sure, sometime in the future. But you know, the whole thing about why why Will couldn't be with Deanna is because his career. Well, guess what? You're being promoted. Oh, okay, I can settle down now. It's fine. You know, I got the four pips. I'm I'm ready to settle down now. It wasn't until then that I could get get stay with one woman. So instead of rings, do they use that last pip uh, on his collar as uh, the signal of their uh, eternal love and devotion together? That was his career goal, though. I, I I buy that. That makes sense. He wanted to be captain. Once he got captain, he's like, now I can have it all. He's like the official high school jock. I got to get the girl and the car. Wait. So is this why he kept turning down promotions? 
He's like, I told Deanna I wouldn't marry her unless I got that fourth pit, but I'm not ready, man. There's too many women out there. There's even je- exactly. ones without gender. I want to wait. Oh, man. <laughs> and in insurrection, he learned how old he was. You know, so he was like, you know what? I guess I'm 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 not the the, the rice. Uh, you know, <laughs> he got an exploring. email from Thomas, and the Tom and Thomas said, "Hey, buddy, uh, you know, I'm you, and you're me. Let you better lock this down because uh, time keeps <laughs> moving forward. It's the fire in which we burn." Someone told me. <laughs> oh well. So yeah, so so were you all kind of satisfied that they got married? Did you think that was a good kind of ending there for for Troy Riker? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought I I always thought they'd end up together. That's that's what Will said in all good things. Although you know, typical typical censors, you know, uh, we can't show the wedding, but we can show the reception because uh, you know we all know what. Uh, th- th- although you'd think okay, if if you were reading a script and it said the the next Star Trek movie is going to start out with a wedding. I mean, that sounds a little you know, <laughs> Star Wars episode, episode one. Two. So. We're going to go in a Senate chamber, you know, but, but, but the way, Oh, it's much, much more in episode two, but, uh, but the way they pulled it out and the way, you know, you get these great lines beforehand about Picard going to the gym and it's, and Mr. Troy and they just, they owned it in such a Star Trek way that it worked. It really did. And it, and it basically, because like we've talked before when we talked about Picard, is Nemesis is all about family and and the changes that happen in family, and marriage is a, a very big part of that. So, no, I was satisfied with how they they tied up the relationship. All right, well, I think we've 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 talked to them a good amount, so we're going to move on to our our second romance. So this relationship wasn't introduced until the entire second episode of Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> when one character unzipped her uniform a little bit, while the other character clicked his heels and made some weird horse noises. Now, Beverly, Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking, of course, about the other will-they-won't-they of the next generation, Beverly Crusher and Jean-Luc Picard. And, um, and, and to, me, to me, they kind of had three phases of the relationship. One we kind of learned about was sort of the pre-Enterprise relationship. The second one was... Where Picard was had slightly really- more hair. Exactly. Slightly. The second the second phase was kind of during most of the run of the show. And the third phase, and you can agree or disagree, the third phase kind of was after Attached episode. So the first phase, um, which we really didn't learn about until Attached, but very quickly. So obviously Beverly was married to Jack um, Crusher, uh, Jean-Luc's you know, best friend or, or good friend at the time on the Stargazer. You know, we've never learned exactly what the details were. Was he captain? Was he just the commanding officer? You know, whatever. But somehow, you know, Jack died. And we, but we learned in Attached that even before they got married, um, that Jean Luc kind of had a crush on Beverly. And so that. Well, we do know that Picard was directly involved in the death of Jack, that a decision. Well, he didn't shoot him. Well, no, but he wasn't (laughs) found in the gun. But yes, but he was the commanding officer. Yeah. Yeah, a choice he made indirectly or directly led to Jack's death. Right. So that was sort of the pre-relationship that Jean-Luc had feelings about Beverly. And we don't know if she helped, felt anything in return. But anyway, um, but, but you know, his best friend married Beverly. So, hey, hands off, you know, the girl. Um, and so then you have that whole relationship. So that's sort of the pre-Enterprise. So now we have... You know, here on the Enterprise during Next Generation, we have the whole Naked Now second you know episode where they're kind of, um, is literally what he says. So that's pretty much it. yeah. So from fr- so that's a, that's a direct block quote. It is. It is. So from first season to um, uh, attached, which is I think sixth or seventh season. Um, what, what, what did y'all think of Beverly and Jean Luc? I think it was a fun relationship because even if you took aside the like the physical attraction you could tell like they had just again they were old friends but in a much different way than Troy and Riker and you could tell they had known each other for a long time and they you know they enjoyed having you know breakfast together and you know they're also in some ways on the same level as far as you know not not rank per se but in authority in many ways and that set her up more as the counterpart I think to Picard, whereas, I mean, not to compare everything to, to Troy Riker, but you know, I, I don't really see to Triker. I, do, I don't see 
you know, Troy being the counterpart to Riker in the same way. So, uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> but, you know, with between Picard and Beverly, I think it was smart that they kind of put it out there in the beginning because it left the writers with a lot of opportunity to draw that along. And it, I think even more so than attached, I think a more important episode was lessons because that's really the most serious we ever see Picard with a woman. And it's not Beverly. Uh, it's commander Darren and oh, commander Darren. Uh, Look what you did there. <laughs> I wonder why he remembers that name so well. I I may or may not have clipped all of the sound effects of uh, the Enterprise crew talking to Commander Darren. Uh, <laughs> I may or may not have done that, but no. And that's a great episode too because it you know shows really that's the burden of command is you really have to set yourself apart. And in that regard, I think uh, you know his relationship with Beverly. I think because they were friends, he just he just never let himself cross that line until the end when, you know, till we get he's finally starting to cross that line in attached. And that's what makes that such a pivotal spot in their relationship. Well, apparently he has a thing for women in blue. So, so what, do you, what do you got about this, Daniel? Att- attached is an interesting episode. It's actually one of the episodes that I remember seeing previews for. It's definitely one of the few the, the episodes I remember seeing first run, like when it first showed. And like, oh boy, they can only move five feet from each other, whatever it was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while since I've seen the episode, but <clears throat> the the whole relationship is interesting, and I actually like that it's much more subdued and much more subtle than the, the Triker. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> All right, if if you're listening now, tweet hashtag Triker. <laughs> it's a thing now. <laughs> Troy Riker, but um, I you know Troy and Riker are definitely in the, in the forefront, and and then. Beverly and 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 John Luke have a much more push to the back kind of relationship, and I, I like that and I appreciate it. And I and I never felt the need that they had to uh, complete that like the like the same way. Like I never felt that they. I, I liked in um, All Good Things how they got married and divorced. I thought that was great. I thought that was like it was like, hey, you guys wanted to know what would yeah, happen here. This is what would happen. Leave us alone, fans. All right, you happy? You happy? <laughs> but I I think that's so cool. Like I think. That shows like a level of character understanding, you know what I mean? Like, it sh- because yeah, maybe it seems great at this time, and maybe they do have real feelings for each other, but it doesn't mean it'll always work out. And I think it's really smart. And it also shows again, like he goes onto that bridge of the ship, and of course this is all not real, but whatever. But he goes onto the bridge of the ship, and she's still willing to put her career on the line for him, so even even after they got divorced. So you kept I, the I, name, I, eh? <laughs> well everyone knows the the Picard maneuver and you're so famous so I'd opened a lot of doors at Starfleet Medical where no one likes me <laughs> <laughs> um, well I always enjoyed the, uh, the the running gag of I don't know how many episodes it was in but I know I think the first one don't don't quote me I think the first one is in the high ground where the, the trope is there's some situation Beverly comes to see Jean-Luc and says Jean-Luc there's there's, there's something I, I want to tell you. And then beep, beep, beep. Uh, you know, so got a call. Got, we got to go. We got to answer something. And I think they, that happens probably three or four times throughout the series. And I think that's going to be a joke after data a while. That if ever that line is spoken in such a manner, he, you know, through his data Wi-Fi that he should have, he, he activates the, the communication system to get Picard out of a jam. Cause you know, data's uh, Picard's wingman <laughs> or wing Android, I should say. Well, what do you what do you think of how they handle each other's romances? And I'm actually going to pull an episode, which I know we 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 I almost have an informal rule not to talk about Sub Rosa, because there you have you know Beverly under the influence of the candle, the candle, and she's like, I'm going to leave the Enterprise because I've fallen in love, and the and Picard's like in this weird point of like, well, my CMO and the girl I kind of like wants to leave because she's fallen in love, and is that awkward for him or? I mean, how do you think they handle each other's relationships? Uh, well, she gets along great with Vosh. <laughs> uh, you mean uh, Beverly, uh, Dr. Beverly, uh, uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's it's this thing I think that Star Trek does pretty well. Is it, it or at least the next generation, um, a lot of times it shows a very mature attitude about relationships. Like, generally speaking, I mean, you can tell if somebody's obviously 
they'll throw it in there if they're supposed to be a little jealous or whatever. But they they never become petty about it, and they and they're they always definitely like their first priority is as long as they're happy, as long as these people are being taken care of. And and I I really appreciate that. I think it's very smart. I think it's very Star Trek kind of an attitude to have. So I I, I do like that. I mean, there's very much a I mean, we can go ahead and say it. There's very much an open sexuality in the 24th century i mean you know hey you're sleeping with whoever whatever we don't i mean no one cares <laughs> so i mean it's interesting but i mean that's out there i mean i feel like that is out there you know they just they just do it's, it's sort of friends in the 24th century you know <laughs> Every, everyone's just sleeping around with everyone and you know na, 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 enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now somebody has to take that theme song and put it over the next generation opening, i so. was just thinking that that would be hilarious well well triker is clearly rachel oh Roth. yeah oh yeah big time big time so then who would uh, picard and beverly be would they be uh maybe Chandler and, and Monica, they would have to be, right, I guess. And who's the monkey? Is that Data? I don't know. I don't know. As, uh... no, I think we're going down a, ra- a dark, dark place. <laughs> I don't... Well, well, I thought one interesting, and, and I was uh, talking to y'all about this in um, uh, Deck 7, um, about what this episode, Allegiance, which is a very earlier episode than I thought it was, where Beverly gets a confusing experience i didn't think of my synonym um and she has that copy of picard who's that alien copy of picard (laughs) who invites her to dinner and and have a dance and maybe maybe we should explore these feelings beverly i don't know no you're right bye see you later (laughs) and she's like what the heck And, and apparently that's what that's what causes her to be like I think that's an alien. That's that, yeah, totally <laughs> mutiny. Mutiny. <laughs> you broke my heart, Andrew. I will relieve you of your command. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have that because this is like a third season. You were, that's what y'all were telling me, right? Third season episode, Allegiance. And so you have that 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 odd ending scene where like uh, Picard says, "Riker, like, so anything go on?" And, you know, and Riker's like, "Well, you know, I knew something was up. I don't think you're that good of a singer." And, he, and Picard's like, "Well, oh, that's weird." And then Beverly just walks in, doesn't say a word, sits down, smiles. He looks at her, looks away, looks at her again, confusingly. She's like, "Smile, smile, smile." And you almost expect that, like TOS end of episode music kind of you know what i mean where it's like sorry standard orbit guys hey it's it's we're just talking about our dad you know that's that's cool dad so so like so so just you did you think that that the card crusher was distracting or were you all were you all cheering for them to get together or were you like ah you know whatever whatever happens cool I mean, were you hoping at Nemesis that, that that Picard would be so overwhelmed during the Riker Troy wedding he'd be like, "Beverly, make me the happiest captain in the world," and say yes? I I find Picard, uh, I think of him as a loner in my head, and so it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me to for him to have these relationships that mean mean a great deal to him, but they never they they can't come they can't come to fruition. They can't they can't make it the whole way. It's just that's that's his he's he's too much of that person he's too strong of a personality he's he's too principled and disciplined he will not compromise on anything it makes total sense for me for him to be kind of a uh you know a, a, just a friend's guy so I, I I was never pining for uh, for for them to get married or, or anything like that well if you look at I mean how Thomas Riker was the quintessential example of how Riker would always make the same choice to choose his career look at the nexus with picard i mean supposedly in the nexus picard is his that's his happiest he'll ever be he has his family he has everything and yet he still chooses his duty and to go back to his ship and it's like that is probably what broke him up with beverly because there would have been a time when he had to make a choice and men like him and, and Riker often they choose the job they choose the uniform. Okay, random caveat with generations. One note: A in the Nexus, you'll notice he's not with Beverly. Two, the woman that he is with in the Nexus is the same person who was a crewman in the Loss. Deanna was was counseling that woman whose who whose husband 
died under mysterious circumstances. And wow. now that we've seen Picard wanting him, her as the wife in the Nexus, I think those mysterious circumstances may have been explained. I'm surprised you hadn't picked up on that conspiracy game. <laughs> well, no, okay, so we can and cut this out if this isn't true, but I remember hearing that there was an attempt or there was an idea to put Beverly as that person. Like The idea was that Beverly was going to be That makes the most the sense. Nexus. But I don't remember exactly the reasoning why they didn't do it, but uh, there there was that idea. And would it just been a bunch of little Wesleys walking around? Gosh, oh gosh. The travelers just like hanging out behind the Christmas tree, just like creepily staring at us. <laughs> the drunk uncle. Yeah, I have to, I have to rest. <laughs> I need to rest. <laughs> so the drunk you have uncle. to rest because if you drink those three whiskeys. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was, I guess in some ways... Maybe disappointing. I mean, I'm not saying they had to be married, but they did kind of ignore them in the movies. I mean, like we said, generous. You know, nothing in first contact, nothing in insurrection, except you know Bev knowing his collar size and saying he was quite the dancer, and that was about it. Of course, I think they kind of forgot about Bev. She never said that about Data. That's kind of rude, even though she taught him how to dance. Oh well. All right. Well, that that's Jean-Luc and Bev. So what we're going to go for our third topic is we're kind of going to do some honorable mentions here. So we're going to basically do some quickie relationships, if you will. So the first one I'm going to start with is uh, one that Darren's kind of talked about, but Worf Troy. Roy. So this was... Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that also works with Riker Troy. You go Roy. Um, anyway, Torf. I don't know. Um, Torf. <laughs> it's Torf. Torf. That's what it is now. <laughs> Hashtag, Torf. Hashtag Torf. So y'all may want to correct me, but I feel like this has almost started season six-ish. Uh, how early? Nope. Nope. It was Parallels. Wasn't it like the end of like the, like the third, fourth, last episode that they? No, out? no, because I think the genesis no, no. here was Parallels always when it started. Was when he when when with the the Alexander Deanna relationship? Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think that's kind well, of that's true. I mean, because I know a lot of fans like what Darren said, like oh, it doesn't make sense. But I'm like, it, it there were seeds there. It, it's not like it came out of blue. It wasn't like Chicote Seven. You know, there were there was something there of, of sorry to the journey. No, I'm not. <laughs> the They're not either. Um, and so. You know, you had that whole so cheem, you know, of Deanna becoming kind of the mother. She'd be my mother-in-law. Oh, that was great. That was wonderful. Right. And and so you you had that relationship kind of there. I mean, it wasn't romance, but there was something there. A Wharf Troy connection was being made. But then they kind of explored that and kind of then the parallels. You had Worf going to the alternate realities. And in some of those realities, he and Tor are married. I know Daniel's a fan of parallels because in some of those realities, Alexander didn't exist. Um, and so, you know, and then you, you kind of flash forward to all good things when they're at, you know, that's like the first date, I guess, is all good things and they're making out. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't remember having a problem with it as much as everyone else did. I mean, you know, I'm glad they didn't like get married, but you know, it, it, I think it's interesting in all good things. Cause you have that as, as almost this, this moment, right. That Worf and Troy, you know, Hey, we can have a relationship. And what does this mean with Riker? And then you flash forward and everyone hates each other. Deanna's dead. And what does that mean? And Riker and Worf hate each other and all this stuff. But then like end of the episode and we go into the movies, never talk about it again. You know, <laughs> you know, generations, you don't have any like awkward breakup between Worf and Deanna, and in first contact, Deanna's not like, hey, congratulations, I'm getting married. And in Nemesis, no one's like, hey, sorry about the dead wife, Worf. You know, it just, there, there's nothing, there's nothing like that. Because well, he would have put his fist through their face if he had. But anyway, but I mean, you know, I, I didn't hate it. I mean, again, it didn't, there wasn't much to it. But to me, it made logical sense with the whole, I mean, because she was there for Worf, you know, when, when he uh, broke his, uh, spine whatever it was i mean she, you know counselor role i know but to me it wasn't out of the blue so like i didn't hate it what, what were your all th- quick thoughts about Worf troy i just want to real quick i and i'll let you go darren after this but i just want to mention that the reason that nobody mentions jadzia's death in nemesis is because no nobody from the enterprise was apparently invited to the wedding so they they were like well fine you want to be a jerk Let's they shun so, shun anyways, him go ahead darren you can go ahead f us Worf. no f you Worf. <laughs> <laughs> Although I just have to say, I would have loved Jesse uh, to meet uh, to meet Troy at Clark's and to have a conversation. Oh, to be a fly on that wall, that would be a great, a great scene. You're right. He does like to be bitten right there. Anyway. <laughs> oh. 
But yeah, no, I think it was a good seed in Parallels. Like like you said, there were seeds before, but Parallels is really where the writers were like, oh, hey, this this could actually work. And that's when, you know, the uh, the Triker train started to head into Torf territory. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was fun. And you could tell the writers were just, you know, having some license and, you know, and it was very well played by Michael Dorn. I think he did. He did a better job wooing her than we ever saw Riker did. I did love that little cute little scene of like, oh, so should we invite right Will to our next date? No, I mean yes. With the that is not what I. Uh. So uh, okay, well that's my little co- contribution. So Darren, what is your relationship here? My quick shot relationship is that that wonderful time between Jordy LaForge and holographic, then real Leia Brahms. Leia Brahms is a great character. She was introduced in the booby trap where the enterprise is getting sucked, you know, power away. And so Jordy, like many times in Voyager, they're like, Hey, we could make a fully functioning hologram just by downloading someone's, you know, psych profile and their Wikipedia page into a, <laughs> into a body and boom, presto interactive hologram, you know, and he falls in love and, you know, like this cute little boy and, and it is all great. And, and then in a master stroke, the, uh, the writers bring her back you know, in the flesh, the, the next season and, and she's married and it's so great because you just have this great reveal where Jordy's like, Oh my gosh, it, the computer didn't tell me you were married. And it's like, that's your line to try to patch this up. The computer didn't, when I was Facebook stalking you, I forgot to check your relationship status, you know, uh, in galaxy. Which is always Child. right there on the top. Leah finds the hologram and is like, oh, the computer didn't tell me you were a psycho stalker either. So, uh. <laughs> oh, let's, not, let's not forget, though, that just like every other relationship we've talked about so far, um, in all good things, we do, we do hear about uh, Jordy and Leah Brahms. Actually, it goes even farther than that. Uh, it, one of the, I mean, yes, no, canon books, whatever, but uh, there's a great book, which I really enjoyed, that is set obviously well after that and it's called indistinguishable from magic and it's from the line you know any technology advanced enough is indistinguishable from magic and uh they are reunited uh captain laforge is on the uss challenger which i think is another uh galaxy class ship and they basically fall in love and i think at this time in other series of books i think her husband had died but they they fall in love and they start a rela- yeah How very convenient, convenient. but uh, by a warp reactor breach nonetheless no I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> <laughs> did he do a barrel roll in time the, oh. that door went up instead of down and he just <laughs> slammed into it but no it, and you know I really enjoyed how they the the author wrote their relationship because it was really the relationship we all wanted to see we wanted to see these two get together because they seemed to fit so well and but. Uh, the thing I liked best about the Jordy, you know, Leia relationship wasn't even the relationship itself. It was the fact that the writers were able to include that when, as a friend, Jordy's trying to talk to Reg and be like, hey, I fell in love on the holodeck too. Like, you know, it happens. Like, you know, very rarely in episodic television do characters reference other episodes and that was a great way to tie that thread together of oh yeah i mean that's a really nice way of saying you went off the deep end on the holotech at a utopia planitia but uh you know it's just a fun fun relationship so do you think he ever called you know barkley back because you know the first time was like reg you know i fell in love in the holodeck but i knew when it was time to turn it off and that's what you need to do because it's never going to come up again and then like after he, he like meets lee in real life <laughs> so reg i was i was wrong um. Yeah, actually, you, it, when you meet the real version of the holodeck character, you woo them and you marry them. That is the lesson. More you know. So it's not crazy that you want to meet the real Voyager people. All right, Daniel, you're clean up here. What's your relationship here? So um, my relationship is actually probably the most well-established, well-defined relationship in all of Trek from the inception Okay, that's a joke. It's not true. It's actually going to be Keiko and O'Brien, um, who we just hear about getting married. <laughs> like, where is he going with this? We, it, is this Daniel's it day? Is the, uh, it is the longest running relationship, I think, that we see. Yes, I'm going to go with that. It has to be. Well, no, I uh, guess the... Data and Spot 
went for years uh, and years. No, no, I think the, you're right. The, I think it probably is the most screen one. time dedicated to it, at least. I can say that. Um, which is probably, um, unlike most of these other relationships we've mentioned, is actually a terrible relationship and like exactly what you don't want to have with a significant other is the relationship between Miles and Keiko. I mean, you know, we'll we'll let we'll let the Deep Space Nine guys, the, the Orb guys They have names. They'll re- <laughs> we'll let Chris and Matt rag on, on Keiko, um or not, whatever they choose to do. But uh um, we do get. She's, to- she's no Nurse Ogawa. She is no Nurse Ogawa. And imagine, imagine if we. Oh saw- my gosh. Okay. Anyways, um, but uh, we do get to see them married in, in Data's Day, which is a fantastic episode. Amazing episode. I love that episode. Her hat was amazing. <laughs> uh, not only that, we, but 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 seriously though, I mean, it is. Even if it's an unhealthy relationship, we do get to. See- <laughs> how, how are you defining that, by the way? Just uh, by the how by by TNG standards. It's like the textbook. I know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, O'Brien's attracted to 12-year-old Keiko at one point. Um, uh, Miles Edward O'Brien, I am still your wife. <laughs> O'Brien tries to take over the ship and kill his own child. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, Although I think the best episode of their relationship is in Deep Space Nine where uh, Keiko's taken over by, like, an evil... I think it's a pod wraith, and... Uh, and basically, you know, Miles goes all Mission Impossible oh, on it, that. and basically yeah. has to fool everyone to keep to save his wife. And uh, let's just say, I'm sure she was very thankful uh, after that encounter. But it was that was just a wonderful, wonderful episode about marriage. <laughs> I, I don't know. It says the only married guy. I, so take take of that from what you will, folks. <laughs> But but um and you know again this is the, this is the TNG podcast obviously so we're not going to go into the whole Deep Space Nine stuff but they do have a so Worf deli- they have very interesting ch- child birthing experiences right because Worf delivers their their first right. uh, child you may now give birth right which in that in that great scene which is fantastic but then in in Deep Space Nine they tr- <laughs> magically <laughs> transport the baby from from uh from Keiko to your favorite character Kira oh my god and that's like the worst (laughs) we're gonna let the Deep Space Nine guys do the Deep Space Nine thing but it is interesting because we get to see them we don't get to see them date because O'Brien's not an important enough character in TNG at that point to 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 watch wasn't he a lieutenant (laughs) wink well he was lieutenant chief (laughs) ensign man it's a very complicated ranking Um, yes it's it's like an accelerated program for unenlisted people um but it, it doesn't he goes so around we, and when people take off their pips when they resign <laughs> he <laughs> scoops them up <laughs> he has a collection does he does he put them all in a bottle or he's written a special subroutine when he beams them in magically a pips it missing and uh, just it, it comes it just appears later and he's like ha, ha, so are you ha, saying transporter room three is like the washer and dryer of starfleet like i, I had a pip a second ago oh well no hang on hang on i love this idea <laughs> that every single time the situation gets really tense and someone is like then I resigned from Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> he throws the pips on the table and they leave the room. O'Brien sneaks away from behind a potted plant, just grabs it and runs out the door. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> like the scene in... Uh... <laughs> well, there's that great scene in... Is it... Uh... It's Insurrection when he... he does... But Picard does that. And I now, so now picture like the camera lingering an extra <laughs> second or two and you just see like a fuzzy... Because uh, he's blurry like... Miles just creeping <laughs> on the edge of the table, like at the at table at a at table height, and he's just like, "Guess who else sneaked away from Deep Space Nine? He snatches it and then runs out the other door. <laughs> yeah. You can see a shuttle going off in the distance, a runabout from. Nowhere. But anyways, <laughs> oh God, runabout. Anyways, uh, um, that's canon. It's, it is. It's right just it's official now. Anyways, <laughs> Miles and Keiko are the honeymooners of the next generation. You know, one of these days, Keiko. Ah, keep talking, Miles. Bam, spoon, straight <laughs> to the wormhole. Uh oh. I'm gonna say, I don't get the reference. Oh my. <laughs> oh, 
Jeez, don't do that. I thought you're, something was wrong with no, your no, 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 no. All right, no, let's no. dumb it down for Daniel. They're the Jeez. Flintstones of <laughs> okay, yeah. Next right. Generation. Like the movie The Flintstones? Oh, my. Right? Is that what you're no, <laughs> John Goodman, right? That's what you're talking about. Anyways, anyways, uh, so, uh, yeah, but I guess my point was Keiko and O'Brien, we could see them get married, have two children really inappropriately and in unhealthy ways. And then um, get really miserable and grow old and, and move back to Earth together. So it's probably. I think the only people who had children inappropriately together were, were Worf and Kalar. I believe Keiko and Miles had children in the normal manner. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree because. Wasn't it Kayla? Isn't it Kalis? Is it Kalar? Yes. Worf did not have sex with Kalis. That would have been really weird. Kalis was the. Un- Although. He was Kalis the Unforgettable. <laughs> well, there's a reason he's called the Unforgettable, if you know what I mean. Kalis is like is like the is the Klingon Jesus, right? That's that was the whole. Idea. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, my apologies. Don't take my and geek. also the shortest Klingon I've ever seen. <laughs> I was gonna say that no, that was not an. It was inappropriate because Alexander was produced from it, but it was not inappropriate in the fact that Kalar is just a very attractive Klingon. So I can't blame Worf. That's all I had to say. She's way more attractive than the ones we saw on, you know, uh, on Riker's exchange program. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, because we know if Kalar had lived and she had walked in during All Good Things and saw Worf uh, kissing Troy, she'd be like, get away from that puppy. 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 I was going to say, imagine if Kalar. I'm not talking about puppy. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I, th- I think those are those are a lot of good choices, and we certainly encourage our listeners to let us know your favorite relationships and whether you agreed with us or not. And but it's been fun talking about all the will they, won't they's, and should they or shouldn't they have um, of the next generation today. But this is just one of the many Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek. .fm this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Kirk versus computers. Like there was some kind of salesman going around selling this this life controlling model. It's, it's like the iMac, you know. Everyone had an iMac back in 1999 or whatever it was, right? The Bondi Blue Landrew. Earl Grey. Data. I think the only other time we see data in red is, uh, I think, in one of the parallel jumps in parallels. Yeah. I think it's Future Imperfect, maybe. With that funky combat. Is is data in red? Kind of like the song Lady in Red? <laughs> data in red. <laughs> the orb. The Jordan Prophecies. <laughs> well, you know, um, I was thinking that Haran was probably not so much a prophet as a Bajoran songwriter who just wrote really bad lyrics. The Ready Room. Ready Uniform. Because, I mean, I right. didn't see Eddington feeling he was the bad guy in this. Oh, he no. was doing what he believed in, yeah. where I think Cisco seemed to me, you know, he definitely started to white whale on this. To the journey! Samantha and Naomi Wildman. She acted like a normal kid, except extremely yes. smart. Yes. Yeah, granted, even though she was incredibly bright, because all Trek kids are, they're extremely advanced in the 24th century, she wasn't annoying like Wesley. Commentary, Trek stars. The Black and Christmas interview. Gene didn't really delve into anything with any depth. He, I think he played the cards very close to his vest. He knew what he wanted, and he made sure he got it. And that's why he rewrote writers, and he, he, that's even why he rewrote me. Warp 5. The Temporal Cold War. But as you say, with with Archer, or future guy, uh, if we were to assume it's Archer, he's not just making, you know, changes on, on a small detail or trying to recapture, you know, in Anorax's case, it's, it's getting his wife back. Right. Um, he's looking to completely change the course of of history on a much broader scale. Trek News and Views. The Data Network. With the Data Network, I wanted something that the Star Trek fans had already there. They didn't need to do anything. They just had to come along and be the Trekkie selves. Literary Treks. Born in Ivory. Yeah, I thought that that was great that they finally explained that question that you had had, why there are no gateways uh, within uh, the Bajoran system and that that's not necessarily true and that the fact is that the Iconians know the prophets. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. 
To check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk, you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you want to contact any of us and share your thoughts, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there, and you can choose to send to the show and choose Earl Grey. That'll come to all three of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. You can talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. All right, uh, Darren, if someone wants some good marriage advice about how you can stay together and produce one child, hopefully not um, while a Klingon is delivering it, where can they reach you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at Dr. Sci-Fi and also on my website, which is DrSciFi.com, where the Dr. Sci-Fi show will be returning shortly after a brief hiatus. All right, and Daniel, if any, uh, you know, ladies... Or, or other folks want to get in contact with you on the internet, where can they find you? So if Ensign Rowe wanted to tweet me, be very simple. It would be 1updan. That is the uh, number one, not the word. Now, wasn't she Lieutenant Rowe by the end of that? You might want to keep up with that. Well, After she's she Maquis Rowe, so they have a whole different, <laughs> you know, rank That's system. Right. That's right. All right. She should have been Commander Rowe. Whatever. Commander of your heart. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I can be found on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina Public Servant. Don't forget to support our sponsor for this show, Zoe, the world's first personal voice companion. You can find out more about this Star Trek combat like device and support their Kickstarter campaign by visiting zoe.me slash trekfm. That's X-O-W-I dot M-E slash trekfm. Remember to include the Trek FM portion of the URL when you visit so Zoe knows you heard it right here on Trek FM. Also, help us continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Toba Ushi. You'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each and every week. So thanks to everyone for today's show. I'm going to leave right now to start shopping early for Valentine's Day. Uh, uh, Girls like Star Trek Blu-rays, right? Well, until next week, make it so. Live long and prosper. Engage. Fire. Fire.